I'm Frederick Gerten, and I'm the filmmaker. And I'm Leilani Farha, and I'm the advocate. And this is Pushback Talks Season 2, Episode 1. Hi, Leilani. How is life over there in the icy north of Canada? It is full of snow. Okay, that's nice, mm -hmm. uh, I guess. Beautiful. Had, we had rain, so there's nothing left of snow here in Malmo, Sweden, where we don't hardly have anything. But we had like almost uh, two weeks of winter, which I think is exactly what we need and not more. So it's fine. <laughs> so, but now it's like, it's almost, you know, end of, it's like, it's, we've been, we haven't been on this for a while. What happened? We took a nice long break. Yeah. So it's been, uh, you've been relaxing? I have. You know, by the end of 2020, like probably everyone, I was exhausted, completely exhausted. I mean, made worse by all of the work demand on me because of the pandemic and the relationship between the pandemic and housing. Uh, so I took a nice long break and I read and cooked a lot, mm. watched some films, Yeah, you know, hung out with my dog, Bean. How about you? Um, I've been trying to work, uh, mm. I'm trying to develop a new project, but it's almost impossible because I'm, I cannot travel. And if I can't travel, I can't film and then I can't develop an idea. I can't even finance a new idea because every funder, which are normally would be broadcasters or film institutes, they want to see material. So if I can't shoot, I can't develop. So I, so I sit and read a lot. I mm. try to talk to people. But my ideas, you've you worked with me. You see that many of my ideas happens where, you know, on where I'm, when I'm out yeah. meeting people. As the project evolves, for sure. And as you're talking. And I know this, this life is pretty crazy. The non-contact, the non... I mean, what did we spend our time doing so much? Walking in cities. It's one of my favorite things to do, cities that I don't know, and just walking and walking and walking. And Yeah, and I, I think professionally we need to meet people because yes. it's the, the stories from people that are really interesting. Of course, I think now we, we are not, we, we work a lot anyway because the push is still being shown in so many places. I mean, I've, I've been out, just talked to, to housing people in Liverpool and they are going to use push in in the campaign now for the, the, the local elections coming up now in May. So, I, and, and we showed a film, you you and I and Saskia Sasson were in a panel for the the Social Democratic Group in the European Parliament, where so we were in the panel with Mayor Ada Colau, Mayor Madi from Barcelona, Mayor Medina from uh, Lisbon, the, Ups the Uppsala mayor, the mayor of Brussels, and also Franz Timmermans, the, the vice president of the yeah. European Commission, which is like one of the top politicians of Europe. So it's, it's cool. We, and, and Franz Timmermans said millions of people in Europe should see push. And I think we need to follow up on that with him. We made 26 episodes last year. Yeah. It's a lot. It's a lot. And now I'm going to play little quiz for you <laughs> okay you have to help us who are we listening to here 
We are so under siege right now. We are so under siege that somehow we, we it's hard to even dream of what the world should look like. Blackstone uh, have once again been up to their dirty tricks and started plowing millions of dollars into Prop 21. If rent control didn't matter, you wouldn't have some of the largest corporations on the planet donating so much money to stop it. Housing is something that affects not just the most vulnerable, but increasingly a majority of the population. Politics is not only fighting against concrete bad situations, but also to change the philosophy of what should be the real estate issue. Half of the people who live in cities are losing ground in one way or another. It, it, is a, it is a serious moment in our history. It's not a great moment. So some sounds and noises from, the, from our pushback talks and, and the music were actually the opening of, of, uh, of my film, Big Boys Gone Bananas. Ah, uh, right. I love the music. I love the music. Yeah, so I think I got them. I'm not, okay, tell not me. so sure about the third one, but the first one was definitely Aaron Glantz, author of Home Wreckers, a, now a good friend of mine. The second one, who lives in, in San Francisco, the second one was Renee, whose last name I can't remember. Mo Moya. Moya, thank you. Renee Moya, also from California, but further south. Um, the third one, I think, was Jaime Palomares. That was the one yeah. I was 100% sure. It was a short clip. The fourth one, I think, was Florian Schmidt, the city councillor from uh, Berlin. And, of course, the last one is too easy because it's Saskia Sassen, professor extraordinaire and accomplice in this work that we do. Cool. So it's almost five points. Uh, let's call it four and a half points. Yours, <laughs> so it's, it's a good... I mean, it's still morning in Canada, so it's. Yeah. I think you're fine. So this is what we, I mean, these are some of the guests we have. And I think we should, in this new season, we should have even more guests. And, and welcome to, to our listeners to send us suggestions and uh, for people we should book in. And if you have suggestions, think about also helping us to get in contact with people because we don't have a staff and, so, and we, we have a lot of other work to do. So, so please help us if you want people to be on, on our show. But one, you know, we made twenty six. One of our our episodes got the most listeners of all, and that was the one about an oatmeal company being bought up by the the biggest hedge fund on the world in the world, Blackstone. And uh, we were really angry about it. You said Blackstone buying Oatly is making your life, your work harder, more uphill. So it's been a big debate. Mm -hmm. uh, and now, you know, there's just been Super Bowl in the U.S. And Oatly, yes. they had an ad. Let's listen to the Oatly ad mm. from Super Bowl. Well, well, no cow. No, no, no. Well, well, no cow. No, no, no. Well, well. So yep. this is... Is this, my question to you, is this an ad for oat milk? Um, well, I think they think it is. Because uh, the, yeah. the guy sitting there singing. Is the owner, no, of Oatly? It's, it's the CEO, Tony Peterson, who's also a, a, a guy I know. I, I would say friend, but I, I might, we might not be friends anymore. 
But I, for me, I, I read it as like this. This is Oatly selling for $5.6 million, because that's what it costs to be on the Super Bowl spot. Mm-hmm. $5.6 million mm-hmm. for 30 sec. Um, it's selling Tony Peterson, the CEO, to the business of America. And, and they're, they're supposedly doing an IPO. So it's I heard that. Now, in, now in May. So mm-hmm. Oatly is going to, the, to be a public company on, on, on Wall Street. And uh, of course, so they're selling the CEO. So this is mm-hmm. not about oat milk. Right. This is about bringing in money to the owners of Oatly because they when and and I read that they think the business people Bloomberg read that they think that Oatly might be worth ten billion dollars uh, when they do this IPO, hmm. and of course I think that's why Blackstone has been so important for for Oatly is because they are really good at pumping up values. And this is what we see happening now. It's nothing about, you know, saving the planet or anything. This yeah. is this is a story about making their own owners richer. Hmm. That's um. Well, that's interesting. I th- that's very cynical. I mean, I think you're right. Although, what I wondered when I I saw the ad, not during the Super Bowl, I saw it on afterward, and I saw a lot of the talk about it. I actually wondered whether. It was a return. It was it was Oatly trying to, yes, for five point six million dollars and thirty seconds, but a kind of return to their Swedish, more humble um, origins in light of all the critique and criticism just before they go public. You see. I, I wondered if that's what was going on because they could have had, I mean, people were saying they could have had Natalie Portman and all the other famous people who apparently have invested in Oatly on that commercial. They could have done some high-end commercial. Instead, they did this low-end, humble, kind of horrible singing, you know, so why? For me, I think part of it is this, like, let's let's remind people of who our origins before we become a public company. I don't know. That sells better than Blackstone. That's true, but it's also you know it's actually also promoting the CEO of the company. True, totally. So yes. it, so it's for if the business if if you want to sell him to the business press of the U.S. to hey make a story about our CEO, now it's easier because he's been on the Super Bowl, you know. Yeah, you're And so he can right. actually sing, crappy, but he can sing. Yeah. You know, so it's I think it's. I think you're right. And and that will and I I could see on the Twitter flow that. People say, "Oh, now I I need to buy shares in 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 Oatly. This is going to be good, you know." So yeah. it's it it already had that effect. Oatly, we love you, but we have a problem with you, Oatly. A big we one. We have we I have still a have a big problem with Oatly. Yeah. Mm, yeah. yeah, and you saw it. Do you remember? I found out that my local favorite cafe that when it opens, I'm there. It's where I've written every op-ed that I've ever written at this cafe. They're using Oatly oat milk. And I said something to them and they knew the whole story. And they said it was a bottom line issue for them. It was cheaper than the other oat milk. I mean, devastating for me. And I would, I mean, half a year ago, I would have been proud of, of course. them having Oatly on your, your local I show. would have loved it, right? Yeah. A little bit of Sweden in my hometown. 
<laughs> you know, it's not only Oatly, uh, Blackstone who entered into Oatly. Before, there was also a Chinese company entering. Oh, right. So they're really big now on the Chinese market. And all, all Starbucks in China have Oatly. Really? I didn't know that. Wow. Yeah. So it's, it's uh, of course, it's, they are, it's becoming a very big brand. Mm. And, uh, and that will make the initial owners stinking rich. Yeah. And to me, they're lost. They can soon buy their first yacht. Or maybe they already have. I don't know. <laughs> Let's move on. Let's move so on. what's cooking? What's cooking? What are we going to talk about this season two? Let's let's line up some interesting stuff going on. Yeah, I think I think we need to. And my feeling is now that I've rested and I'm back at work, my feeling is this pandemic is going on and on and on. And it's bad news almost all of the time. Even with the vaccine came the bad news of these variants and all this stuff. And so this podcast this place i think needs to be a place of positivity why not optimism because i've noticed in the even in this nightmare situation that we're in so much cool stuff is going on challenging or as we say pushing back against financialization and all of the stuff that's going on in cities around the world so i think that should be our emphasis is trying to highlight cool people, cool things, doing, making change. I think so. I mean, in, in this uh, panel we were in with the European politicians, I think, for example, the, the mayor of Lisbon was really interesting. And he said, we want to, to let, you know, people should never pay more than 30% of their income to, for their homes. And, and and they are actually working towards that. It's that's a very interesting thing. Mm -hmm. And they're they're taking homes back. Uh, it's obviously what's also happening in, in Barcelona. So we should we should follow up on Lisbon and Barcelona. I think Berlin, as always, is very interesting. And I think what is interesting in Berlin is it's the the power, the strength of the opposition. Mm. And when there is a very strong political movement going on the journalists it's also easier for journalists to get stories into their papers mm. and so for example recently there was a story in Der Spiegel one very prestigious magazine in in uh, in Germany and the story was about this Swedish uh, Bahamian Cyprus Jotic whatever housing company called Achelius mm-hmm We've talked about them before, and you know, because of the Berlin rent cap, it's not so good business for them in Berlin. So now they try to move out, and they try to move the money to Canada. It says in this story, yes. your country, and, and they want to in Canada, you into know? your city. Yeah. They want to into <laughs> Ottawa. They want to buy in. That's right. But they want to leave Germany where they've been for quite a while, mm. and they want to leave without paying taxes. So that's now a, a big story, and I could see there was a big. A big story here from a, a group actually called Stop Achelius mm -hmm. uh, in um, in Berlin, and they they are now have a lot of demands towards the politicians in Berlin to to stop this transfer happening, and they want the government to actually take the Achelius houses and, and make them into public homes. So yeah, of course, this is will be a, an ongoing 
story, but it, they, they want the government to stop the tax loopholes, you know. One of the things that the shift uh, is interested in doing, and in particular with Achelius, is um, linking all the tenants, Achelius tenants from around the world, so that they can form a kind of global opposition to this global actor, which I think would be really cool. We've already been in touch with Achelius tenants in the UK and Germany and Toronto, um, but we haven't yet been able to unite them. Um, I think it, I think that's the way we're going to be able to challenge as well, so that the Torontonians can learn, for example, from the German Achelius tenants what Achelius has been doing there. And of course, there's many other Achelius tenants in other countries as well. So, but I think it's the, what's happening in Germany is very cool. I also, I think you read it too on Twitter. I saw a thing that they're mobilizing for rent, for rent, national rent freeze. So in every city across the country that there would be this rent freeze. They're actually mobilizing for for a referendum. That's right. That's right. So they're looking for signatures. That's right. And they need a certain amount by a certain deadline. Um, so, so if you are a listener of Pushback Talks in Germany, or if you have friends in Germany, tell them to, to support this... Uh, this action for rent freeze on, on, in, in Germany. It's, it will be big, and it's something we certainly should follow up on in, in this. And I think also, I mean, Denmark has already, they already have a national rent freeze, which they, they call Lex Blackstone, which is kind of cool because we, 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 we like to brag about this. When we had a premiere of Pushing Copenhagen, there was a panel with a then housing minister but there was also a young social democrat in the panel who was really strong, and he is now the new housing minister. So he was actually at our push premiere, and he was uh, caught by the energy around this issue, and he's made it into his personal battle, which has been really important. So it's cool that we were a part of that, and especially your work, where you also in your uh, as a UN. Uh, special rapporteur, you pointed out the, the problems with Blackstone in Denmark. Yeah, yeah, and the 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 minister ended up. Well, once he was appointed, he wrote back to me, and you know, he said in the letter that affordability issues were of real concern to him too, and that uh, financial actors were also of concern to him. That a committee, parliamentary committee, had been struck, and once it was uh, concluded with a report, he intended to introduce legislation. What I love about that letter, and I just reread it recently, is that he came good on everything that he said in the letter, which is not always the case with politicians, as we know, but he'd written me a letter, he had an agenda in mind and a, vi in mind and an, and a vision, and he's run with it. And I think it was uh, recently, there was a, a case in Denmark challenging Blackstone for overcharging on rents in apartments and the tenants won and they I, I I don't know if you remember the dollar figure but it was substantial yeah so people they blacks don't have to pay back money that's and right it's, it's it's been a big story but I love this like it's like what I love about Denmark is they're very clear about against whom they're fighting you know it's they're not they're not pretending you know they're very clear it's it's Blackstone and big financial actors yeah it's, it's really cool so let's let's invite the danish housing minister to push back talks yeah, would be amazing. so if anyone out there knows him tell him that he 
there is an email from us coming and he should just answer and say, give us a date. And then we will talk to him about the cool things they're doing in Denmark. So all Danes out there, call your housing minister, tell him to be on pushback talks. What more? There was big news out of Europe um, and the European Parliament where um, basically the European countries in the Union recommitted to recognizing housing as a human right um, and committed to ending homelessness by 2030 or taking steps to end homelessness by 2030. This is a huge, huge and important step by the European Union. I mean, we need leadership and we need unified leadership on this issue. And thanks to a um, member of the European Parliament from the Netherlands, Kim, whose last name now I can't remember. I'm sorry, Kim. She's amazing. She's a force. Uh, And I've worked pretty closely with her. She wrote a really important report that that got traction and that was undeniable in its truths around the importance of housing and the crisis that Europe is facing. So pretty cool. It is cool. And it's, it's, um, I think that the, I mean, this showing we had for the European social democratic group, Mm -hmm. uh, it is cool. I mean, we are happy to show the film for any political tendency in any country. So it's not about being a part of something, but it's, it's cool when, when influential politicians watch the film and then they suddenly, they start to use your language, Leilani. Well, they start to use my language, but Push the Film has had a huge impact and is continuing to have a huge impact. It's, um, I'm finding it quite amazing. I mean, the film just has so much traction and relevance right now. People are really um, looking to it and then turning to their own community, watching the film and then turning to their own communities to say, hey, how, what about this film applies to my reality here? And then they're using it to mobilize. It's, it's amazing. On the parliamentary front, I received an email uh, from a member of the Green Party of Canada. We only have, I think two members of parliament from the Green Party in this country, maybe three now, and um, Paul Manley, his name is, and he's drafted a motion that he wants to put forward, or maybe he's already put it forward, I don't know, uh, to parliament, calling attention to the financialization of housing and demanding that parliament do something about it. And that's amazing because I'll tell you, Frederick, Since the pandemic struck in particular, the financialization of housing has really picked up in Canada. I'm seeing those real estate investment trusts that we've talked about on on this podcast, moving into Vancouver, for example, moving into Toronto, buying up not just one building, but we're talking seven buildings, you know, in one full swoop. And we know what that means. That means more unaffordability. It means pushing people out of their out of their places. So this motion is amazing that this uh, Green Party member has put forward. We've said it before, but it's it's a very it's a strange thing. This that this the stock market, the financial sector, is doing so fine, while 
a lot of the population, a lot of companies are under extreme stress since because of the lockdown and so on. And and I, you know, the the billionaires of the United States, they became twenty five percent richer twenty twenty. Yes. You know, if you already have ten billion, you now have twelve fifty billion. You know, it's like it's it's obscene, and and that means that the the income gap is growing. The in inequality gap is growing, and I think what you see with this RIT is going in, moving, and buying more and more. It's because they have so much money. Absolutely, they're Absolutely. sitting on shitloads of money. Yeah, and and I think every elected official in any country should say, okay, this is dangerous mm-hmm. because at the same time, the cities are losing power, you know, and the only, the only power politics has is legislation. And that's, you know, to push, push these forces back. First of all, I was reading the Financial Times on the weekend and I read a story about um, real estate in San Francisco. Now, you and I know from our own personal experiences there uh, how crazy expensive San Francisco is. It is one of the most unaffordable cities in which to live in terms of housing costs in the world. And since the pandemic, as you said, the, the millionaires and billionaires have just made more and more money. And so there's a huge amount of purchasing going on at that ultra uber high level um, millions and millions of dollars for a condo in the sky sort of thing meanwhile they say oh but it's not so bad because rents have come down a little bit in san francisco but rents have come down by i don't know two percent or something which still doesn't make them affordable and people's incomes have come down much more than two percent during the pandemic so i mean it's just um it's 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 frightening to me that that the growth in inequality that continues to happen through real estate and still there isn't enough attention on that issue in in, in my opinion i also read and i forgot that they use this term about all this money being used for real estate in the real estate world they call it the great wall of money <laughs> isn't mm, that a great wow. expression the great wall of money and there's a lot of it. It is, and it's obviously a little bit. It's not so well distributed. You know, it's like it's no. it sits on a very few hands. Even if there is some middle class that feels that they're in the game, they can also because if you have some same savings and put them into the stock market, you can also be part of the of the vibe. Yeah. But remember, to all of you that think you can outsmart the system. They always sit on more information. They know when to move out and how to move on and yeah. so on. Yeah. And I think <clears throat> I was in a call the other day with, um, or on a, in a conference, it was UN Habitat based out of Norway. And, and I said something about the pandemic. They asked me about that. And I said, you know, what we talk about in push is the effects of the, of the 2008 financial crisis. And, you know, 2008, Blackstone entered into the housing market in 2012. So that's four years later. So we should basically look 2020, 2024. So it's probably there's a moment where all the the aid money, the, all these the aid packages that are now pumping out money into this to save the financial system, when that money ends and and the real ef- then the real effect of this crisis will happen. That's absolutely and that's the right. moment yeah. 
That's the and, and there was a professor saying yes. This I, I fear exactly the same. So what we could then say from us from our pushback perspective is that okay, so now it's time to get organized. It, now it's time to talk about how to prevent the guys who already have too much to grab even more. And this is a political struggle that we all have to be aware about. I think that's right, Frederick. I, I think now is the moment to really be focused on, okay, how do we prevent that from happening again? And we know that what this is related to is debt and cheap debt. That's what these guys private equity, pension funds, et cetera, prey on, right? Because that's where the deal is to be made. So for example, that great wall of money that I was talking about, you know, you see dips in the great wall of money when there isn't as much money around as to be spent on this stuff is when there isn't as much cheap debt around. So we know this cheap debt is coming because we know people are suffering economically and they will foreclose on their homes, as you say, after the recovery dollars have been spent and when they dry up. Um, so I, I think you're absolutely right. There needs to be mobilization now. I was really happy to see that um, there's a conference going on intended for those in the pension fund world, and they included on their agenda a discussion about pension fund money going into residential real estate, and they're showing clips of Push the Film to to the audience, and the audience is um, those in, in you know involved in pension funds and and investment for pension funds on, on behalf of pension funds. So that's a really good move. I mean, a few years ago we wouldn't have seen that. So again, thanks to you know push moves people in that direction um, to really start questioning. That's cool. I didn't I didn't know yeah. I didn't know who who were asking for these clips because there's yeah. so much going on. It's but that's very cool. cool. Wow, cool. Because I think I really think that the, the, there is a new frontier coming up, and that is the financial market. You know, demanding for ethical and more ethical finance market. And, and I, you know, we have had this long story of divesting bad stuff. I mean, the Church of England started, you know, maybe thirty years ago, divesting the arms industry, and then there was a move towards divesting. Uh, coal, uh, fracking, you know, bad oil, and, and I mean, now even at all, uh, you know, carbon yeah. fuel. So it's it's happening. And I think the next move is to, to ask the pension funds to divest everything that goes against human rights. And actually, it happens at the, the big bank here, Swedbank, which is one of the bigger banks in Sweden, they divested Amazing. Blackstone. After the after the premier push yeah. here in Sweden, and so I mean, it is possible to to push these guys, and I think this is something we all could do because we all sit on some kind of pension funds. We all have a bank, so we can call them and we can tell them we don't want you to invest in companies that are kicking yeah. people out into yeah. the streets. So this is totally a frontier that we should be we should do a podcast about, but about that I think. I, I think so too. And it would be interesting to talk to, let's say, the folks at the Swedish pension fund that decided not to uh, invest in Blackstone or who knows after this conference whether there will be some pension funds who are saying, hey, yeah, we don't we don't want to make life worse for our pensioners because that's what's happening, right? A lot of pensioners are renters and they're being affected by where the pension fund is putting their money. Yeah, I think that would be good. 
Yeah, we had a we had a call an episode with Patrick Butler from The Guardian, mm. this amazing journalist who is a social policy editor on The Guardian, and he then talked about a lot about the poverty in the UK right now during during pandemic. And today, well, recently had a story, which is that the, you know they have a support package which is about twenty pounds a week to people who can't eat. Right. They don't have food on their table. Mm. And now, if the government cuts that support, which they, they, it might happen now, mm-hmm. 700,000 people will go hungry. Oh, my gosh. In the United Kingdom, 700,000 people will go hungry. Crazy. And this is, this is, this is real stuff. Sixth, sixth largest economy in the world or something like that, right? Largest GDP. And then the super rich are richer than ever. Is yeah. this the world we want to live in? And why should it be like this? Yeah. That's, I think it's relevant, relevant question. So uh, was this a positive take, my dear? <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I don't know. Uh, I can tell you, gonna... we have a, yeah, we have a screening coming up in, uh, in the country of Luxembourg at the beautiful Cinematheque in the city of Luxembourg, where actually oh, I have been there. I've been there showing another film once. It's a beautiful place. And, you know, Luxembourg is also the European headquarter of Blackstone. Yes. And there was a story in a big Danish newspaper of, about uh, Luxembourg as a place where also criminal money Absolutely. meet and merge with, with money like, like uh, Blackstone. Mm. So this is the criminal money being mixed into the this kind of investing force that is buying up houses. Mm. You know, I mean, you know, if, if Blackstone owns your house, it might be it might be a pension fund coming, but it could also be refugee smugglers. It could also be cocaine dealers. You know, we don't yeah. know. That's right. So it's there is something to do about that. And of course, politicians, for God's sake, has to close all these loopholes and the tax havens. That's right. That's right. I yeah. mean, I think I think there are legislative answers and I th- I think it will be interesting in season 2 to explore some of those with people who are actually drafting legislation. It's not just sometimes it's not legislators who draft legislation, it's NGOs and community based groups that do the first draft of the legislation that then gets legs and traction. So I think it will be interesting to uh, to talk a little bit more about that. Um, yeah, I keep getting stuff sent my way. And that's one of my big projects for 2021 is to write a set of directives, human rights directives that could be translated into legislation to guide governments on how to deal with the beast, the monster. So I think everybody out there listening to this, just raise a hand and say, yay, go Leilani, go. <laughs> Tell the governments how to do this because they're not so quick and not so smart. But you will tell them and we are on your side, Leilani. Thanks, Frederick. <laughs> it's good, isn't it? <laughs> it is. Can you see now there's a lot of a lot of people with earplugs going around and waving their hands, you know, it's like, <laughs> yeah. wow, Woo-hoo. all over the world. And all over the world, we we just reached 100 countries. We have listeners in 100 countries. It's amazing. And I think the latest latest were like Somalia, Algeria, Suriname, amazing uh, Pakistan. It's cool. It's it cool. Is. 
I, 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 I won't brag and say there are extremely many of them, but no. there are listeners. And to all of you who are listeners, we love you all. And write to us. Write to us and tell us about what you think about the show. You can find us on Twitter, Leilani Farah, moi, Frederick Gerten. <laughs> or you can write to pushback at uh, wgfilm.se. Uh, you can you find us and you can also, you know, find the website push, uh, pushthefilm.com where you can see the film, where there are links to more more of, of more episodes of the pushback talks. And a big shout out, Frederick, a big shout out to our patrons, our Patreons. The Patreons. We, you know, it's so boring to say we don't have any money because it's... <laughs> <laughs> it is boring not to have any money and 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 for me or for us here uh, it's it's very difficult because uh as we can't film we can't make any money it is a bit stressful so if you want you can join the other patreons and be a, a monthly patron to pushback talks and if you're really poor just sign up for two dollars a month you know it doesn't it's not it's for us it's family you know join the family and uh, and I think we are we're going to check out this new clubhouse that has so yes. maybe we'll do I think we will do a, I'm a clubhouse now on for clubhouse yeah you will do a, yeah I don't give I don't know if, anyway I'm I'm not in love with it but it's but I we don't can know how do it one. works I, it's new for me completely new we can we can at least do one and we can check it out and let everybody who loves pushback talks come and talk to us and. Uh, and tell us, give us ideas on how to continue this work. But this, I think, was all for now. This was episode one, season two, Pushback Talks with Leilani Farah. That's me. M1. <laughs> That's toi. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay. But talk soon, and we need, because we need to connect and get some more guests onto the, into the show. Absolutely. So stay stay cool, walk the dog, and keep smiling. Thanks, Frederick. Keep pushing back. Bye. You too. Pushback Talks is produced by WG Film. To watch Push, visit pushthefilm.com. You can also support us by becoming a Patreon at patreon.com slash pushbacktalks. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you again next week.